Patrick Finley, he's Jason Leisure, this is Talis Intrigue, the Chicago Bears podcast, where Jason, the Bears have an actual game to play this week after a roller coaster of emotions. We'll get into all that. What we expect to happen Sunday at Soldier Field against the Dolphins, and much, much more. All that coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Jason, in the last 10 days or so, as you and I sit here, the Bears have beaten the Patriots on national television, traded Robert Quinn, traded Roquan Smith, added a wide receiver, in Chase Claypool, uh, lost by 20 against the Cowboys, and I think you and I both agree are lined up to lose by probably a healthy margin on Sunday. This is about as interesting as a 3-5 and five team can get, isn't it? It is interesting because you look at a game like Sunday against the Cowboys and you say forty, they lose 49-29, disaster. Right. Not really, though, not totally a disaster. Right. It was really bad on defense, but a lot continues a to lot look to right on offense. And that matters more mm-hmm. because if Justin Fields looks right and he's in the best four-game stretch of his young career, then that means so much more about the future of your franchise and than giving up 49 points because your defense has been stripped down to nothing and now it's really been stripped down yeah. to nothing, Pat. On Sunday, you will not see Roquan Smith for the Bears. Mm-hmm. You will see Chase Claypool. He's going to play. Both of those moves, I, I can see the logic of both of those moves but neither of those moves is perfect. No. No, it's not. In, in part because you sit there and you wonder why the Steelers, who are better at drafting wide receivers than any franchise in the sport, why do the Steelers not want him anymore? Number one. Number two, with Roquan Smith, they're not better because they traded their best player. And in the long term, they might be marginally better. If they're lucky, they can draft somebody in the second round who turns out to be, I don't know, Roquan Smith. And that is a top 2% of outcomes situation. Uh, That leaves them with a team that I think is still woefully incomplete Um, and with a locker room that might be wondering what the heck they're doing here. Uh, You know, Matt Eberflus and and Ryan Poles met with the Leadership Council, which is, what, 13 dudes? It's a 13-man tribunal, Patrick. By the way, a quarter of the roster gets to be on the tribunal? (laughs) That's pretty good. Imagine if you're not. Nah, coach doesn't think I'm ready. Well, with this team, it's like, hey, have you been in the league a year and more than a year and seven weeks? Right. Come on in. Uh, and they sat down and, the, and they tried to explain their rationale here. But if I were a player, it'd be really hard to interpret it as anything other than we're prioritizing winning next year over winning this year. Now, please go strap on your helmet and put your physical security on the line for me. Like, and and what does that actually mean to a player? You've probably covered some teams that have been like that. I've covered some teams that have been in that situation. What that usually means is every man for himself. Yeah. And the Bears are kind of set up for that because they've got a bunch of guys on one-year contracts who are playing for their futures right now, playing not for the Bears' future, but playing for the chance to get a better contract probably somewhere else next year. Um, I don't know that this is exactly indicative of that, but you heard something from Jalen Johnson on Wednesday that kind of had that ring to it for me. A little bit. I, you know, I took it more, uh, more of him just being worried about Tyreek Hill uh, on, on, on Sunday. Uh, but you know, somebody said, so how are you going to deal without Roquan? And he goes, man, i got to worry about the number one and number four best receivers in America coming to town. Uh, I thought that was indicative, number one, because – 
like you said, there may be a little bit of, hey, I got to do my job here. Uh, and then we got to take care of me. Yeah, and then we have to do our job. The other thing, though, is the times I have seen instances of selfishness as a season kind of slogs on. Number one, it's usually like somebody gets hurt and then it takes them three times longer than it should yep. to get back. Yep. And it's also people who have experienced more success um, and who know that they're slumming it on a bad team. That's usually where it strikes. <laughs> the Bears don't have any of those guys, do they? They don't. I mean, if you're, ju- I mean, if you're Justin Jones, uh, I mean, I, who on this team is too good for a 3-5 and five record right now in terms of what they've experienced in their career? Very few people. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that we're there yet. I, I think that, to me, the concerning thing isn't Sunday as much as it is the next eight Sundays. You know, it's the, it's the totality of what they're looking at uh, that I think it's it's the opposite of energizing on the field. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because you can kind of look at this team now through a lens that I wanted to look at this team through back in February, but it really wasn't what they did. I wanted to say back in February, hey, this this team just went 6-11. and 11. Right. Like there's nothing to be attached to here for the most part. Mm-hmm. So do tear it down. Before they even hired Ryan Pulse, right. someone needs to come in and sure. tear this down Clean out bad contracts slash contracts that won't make sense during a rebuild like Khalil Mack. He's probably worth every penny, mm-hmm. but not doesn't fit this situation. He's worth every penny on a good team. Yes. Mm-hmm. So tear all that down, uh, but do most of your tearing down on defense. Right. Don't do it on offense because that's going to hurt Justin Fields. In fact, spend on offense. Get offensive line and wide receiver and use draft picks on that. And Ryan Pulse didn't really do that. He kind of went just cheap across the board. Right. The only guy they wanted to spend money on was Larry Ogunjobi. But other right. than that, it was all very budget conscious, very uh, keeping money open in 2023 and beyond. Now they're kind of doing it um, where you can look at it as two separate teams. And Matt Eberflus is going to be up here all the time talking about complimentary football. And right. there is some truth to how the defense plays affects Justin Fields because it changes the scenario for him in the game, and you don't want to be in obvious passing situations all the time. But I think we can kind of look at this on two separate tracks right now of offense and defense. And if you go through the rest of this season, Pat, mm-hmm. where every week they're losing 49-29 or something like that, I, if, if I told you there's going to be a lot of losses like that going into the season, you'd say that's actually right. pointed the right way. Right. Right. Uh- it's a reallocation of resources, is I think the corporate way to say With it. Roquan for Claypool, yeah. Yeah, that's what, right. I mean, they get rid of Roquan Smith because they're not ready to give him $18 million a year on the franchise tag, or or maybe to be more accurate, are afraid what the ramifications would be if they forced him to play on the franchise tag. And they certainly didn't want to pay him $20 million a year. They may end up paying Chase Claypool a really good amount of money this offseason if he's good. And if that's the case, that would be far more in line with how the modern NFL works than what the Bears have been doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the Bears were paying, you know, Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, Ro- you know, Robert Quinn, Roquan Smith. You know, these are all decisions that Ryan Pace made. that Ryan Pace made. And the way the league is now, you got to pay pass rushers, you got to pay pass catchers, you got to pay passers, and you got to pay corners. I think that's the list, isn't it? I mean, I think we looked at Ryan Pace's moves at the time and said this is outdated. Right, yeah. right. And paying an off-ball linebacker is is maybe the most outdated thing they could have done. And in that sense, I guess you give Ryan Poles credit for the discipline of doing it. One of the things, Jason, that Eberflus said 
on Wednesday that struck me was somebody had asked him, hey, the Colts were drafting right around the Bears in 2018. They were drafting fifth in 2018. Eberflus was the D coordinator at Indy. Yeah, and the Bears were drafting eighth. The Colts wound up with um, Quentin Nelson, who was, I think at the time, the highest drafted guard, second highest drafted guard in the history of the sport. And somebody says, did you look at Roquan Smith? And Eberflus kind of laughed at them and said, ah, Chris Ballard wasn't going to take an off-ball linebacker that high in the draft. Chris Ballard took a guard. Like, this is how unimportant I think he views that off-ball linebacker spot. They, he kind of gently mocked the idea of taking a linebacker there when they drafted a guard. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I thought that was a good insight into not necessarily what he thinks about Roquan, but what he thinks about the value of the position and how it can be replaced. That it almost wouldn't matter how good Roquan Smith was. Right. I, I still think that that move, here's another way, here's another lens through which I have been looking at this season, is you're looking at who's going to be on this team in 2023 and beyond. Yeah. What are the pieces you have in place? And we went into this season, Pat, mm-hmm. saying it's like three guys. Right, yeah. It's like Jalen Johnson, Roquan Smith, Darnell Mooney. That's all you know for sure mm-hmm. at that point. You have these rookies that you drafted. You have Justin Fields, maybe... Mm-hmm. Cole Komet, maybe. You have uh, Travis Herbert. Gibbs. You have some maybes. Yeah, you have Herbert. some maybes, but you only had three going into the season, and you're hoping to find as many answers as you can. Is Braxton Jones a starting left tackle in the NFL? Larry Borm, Tevin Jenkins, any right. of these guys, can you say by the end of this season, okay, our list is a little bigger than three? Sure. This is the first thing that Ryan Poles has done that has shrunk that list mm-hmm. because Roquan Smith would have been for sure Mm-hmm. Uh, a fixture, and they wanted him to be roster-wise. They just didn't want him at that price. Right. And I think that Roquan Smith is still ascending. I think he's still getting better, period, mm-hmm. no matter who's coaching this team. But I think he was going to get even better playing in this scheme. And Matty Rifflus is saying, hey, we didn't get – he basically said, I don't to paraphrase, hey, he wasn't getting the production that Shaquille Leonard was getting. But I kind of think Roquan Smith would have eventually. I think Roquan Smith's a really good football player. I think – he was, I think, by a good margin, their best player. Like Jalen Johnson is probably second, but you know he, you know he, he was off the field for two and a half games this year. I just, like you said, it just might not have mattered. Like whether he is a B plus or an A plus player, if he wants an A plus price, that's the problem for the Bears. And you know that's you know to me, I guess that's at the heart of the move. I, I just wonder, like, is this? Are we going to see on Sunday how valuable he was? I think it's easy for analytical people, draft Knicks, to sit there nationally and locally and say, "Well, of course you make this move." You know, Roqu- you know, Roquan's a, you know, plays a position that was popular 50 years ago, and having a draft pick is helpful. But what happens on Sunday if this thing just collapses on itself? Yeah, I think you're going to see very clearly how irreplaceable how hard it is to replace, I shouldn't say irreplaceable, but how hard it is to replace somebody that's as versatile as he is. Right. Because he's a great run-stopping linebacker, he's a great pass rusher, he's a great pass coverage guy, and playing in his place is most likely going to be Jack Sanborn. Right. I mean, Nick Morrow will probably move into Roquan's spot, but Jack Sanborn, the undrafted rookie, is going to get in there and play now, mm-hmm. maybe start. And while he is an improving player... He can't do what Roquan Smith no, does. No, of course not. No. And so you're taking a team, Pat, that just gave up 49 points, mm-hmm. and you're saying we're going to strip it down even more. Right. Yeah, and 
what makes it, you and I have talked about this all year. What I think the secret sauce of Matt Eberflus is that I think he coaches effort really well. But you've asked him this directly a couple times. I have too. Is at what point does it not matter whether they're playing hard because you just don't have enough good players? You can be Jack Sanborn and play as hard as you want and not be as good as Roquan Smith. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm afraid on Sunday we will see a very ugly result of that. Now, on the other side of the ball, Justin Fields now has more than one proven pass catcher, um, really for the first, healthy pass catcher for the first time maybe ever with the Bears. We both agree this is the best wide receiver combo they've had since 2013. Yeah. Since Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall. And to be clear, that's because when Darnell Mooney came into his own last year, Allen Robinson was hurt and just not right. having a good season. On paper, I think those two, I don't know, they might be more accomplished than these two. But just they were never together. Now, still not a lot. No, there's a low bar. This isn't good. It's Bears good because on a lot of teams, uh, Claypool and Mooney are number two receivers. Right, right. So having two number two receivers is only good, like here, Mm -hmm. where they where they don't get a lot of game changing wide receivers. Right, and are can I ask this question? Are we sure Chase Claypool is good? No, no. But we're sure that he's better than anybody they had here. And is on Mooney's level at least. I mean, his two seasons, with his first two seasons with Pittsburgh, he was uh, something like seventeen hundred yards over those two seasons. Right. Eleven touchdowns, scored some touchdowns as a runner, yeah. sixty catches a year. His numbers are down this year. Maybe that's what happens when you play with Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> uh, but I, he has. I, I don't want to talk about. Ch- I don't want to put Chase Claypool in the group with like Nikhil Harry, right. cast off from a right. very respected organization having not really done much, or Artie Burns, uh, the cornerback from the Steelers, first-round pick, cast off from a respected organization, hadn't really done much, though, when he had played. Claypool has done some things. Claypool has shown you what he can do and is going to get a better opportunity probably here in terms of playing with a better quarterback and being more of a priority in the offense, and I assume playing on the outside much more so than playing out of the slot, which he seemed unhappy about playing in the slot in Pittsburgh. He, he did, although I, I'd like him to have a conversation with Darnell Mooney, who was the Bears' leading receiver, the Bears' really only proven receiver all year. And Darnell Mooney moves from the slot to the outside. Uh, they move him around all the time. Acknowledge that that puts a lot on his plate, but he seems to do it without complaining. And I think he should be credited for that. But, you know, you just look at Claypool. Physically, he's just... He's, he's special in a way that Darnell Mooney is not special. He's a better version of Nikhil Harry. Yeah, like they had this four, idea of yeah. Nikhil Harry, let's bring in this linebacker-sized wide receiver right. and see if we can do something with him, see if we can help him turn his career around. Well, that hasn't really gone well because he's been hurt. Right. And now you found like the way better version of Nikhil Harry. Yeah, he's 6'4", 240. Uh, I think ran the seventh fastest number in a game this year. So imagine somebody with Justin Fields' speed. Uh, Imagine Justin Fields playing receiver <laughs> with a little bulk to him, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, Luke Getzey said today that, you know, they're going to play him on Sunday, but obviously there's, you know, it'll probably be a limited situation based on it what... It better not be too limited, Pat. Yeah. Who, who are we playing that deserves to play over Chase Claypool because they just know the playbook so well? Yeah, I mean, somebody will be in the right place. One of the things Fields has been really good at... Uh, particularly in the last four games, is not throwing interceptions. I think only four quarterbacks have thrown fewer interceptions than he has. And all it takes is Claypool running the wrong route, and there's a pick six going the other way, I think. So uh, you're right. Big picture, he should get every snap that he can possibly take. If you don't want to lose 49 to 29, 
And I think they, they're going to have to balance it a little bit that way. I think Bears, just real quick, I think Bears fans, I think the optics of them trading Roquan Smith and then acquiring Clay, Chase Claypool the next day really softened the blow of Roquan leaving for Bears fans who have been eager for a fun offensive football team for 104 years or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, having the best run game in football is something. And, you know, we could, I wouldn't have bet in August that we'd be sitting here saying the Bears lead the league in this good category. Right. And they do. Right. But that's not something you go to bed dreaming about if you're a fan. It's not that fun to watch. Chase Claypool catching a 40-yard bomb. I mean, Chase Claypool catches the balls, or the ball that Bayless Jones dropped the other day. Chase Claypool catches the ball that Dante Pettis couldn't catch on the free play the other day. Uh, Chase Claypool instantly becomes your best option on third down, period. Oh, sure. Ahead yeah. of Komet, ahead of anybody. And I, I get back to this. Remember when we were at um, the scouting combine and Ryan Poles met with us kind of for the first time since his introduction. And he, you know, first of all, he only singled out one player that he liked. Who was? Mooney, yeah, right? Darnell Mooney. Yeah. But then he said, you know, we conducted a study and we found that the second-year quarterbacks that make the biggest leaps do so because they have a security blanket on third down and when things get rough. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get him one of those. And then they did not get him one of those. Right. Maybe Claypool's that guy. I mean, I don't think we'll know for a month just because I, you know, I think it's silly to expect him to come in and, and, and hit the ground running. But maybe, maybe that's the answer to the question that they could not solve uh, during the offseason. So the offense has been better Lately, yep. I still think it needs to get better from here. This isn't quite good enough. No. But if you look at the rest of the season kind of following along this trajectory that it seems to be on right now where you see gradual uh, incremental production increases from the offense, the defense is still a huge problem. Yep. So whatever you want to guess that to be over the final nine games, if that means they end up going two and seven or three and six over the final nine games, maybe some fluky times here or there where right. the offense plays uh, plays poorly or the defense plays better than you expect. Right. But basically things kind of follow along this line. Mm-hmm. Are you looking at that as now this is a successful, this is a good season for the Bears? Not successful on the field, not successful in terms of record, but a signal that they are headed the right way. Yes. Well, hold on. Is ju- If Justin Fields is... He keeps playing like this and maybe a little bit better. A little bit better. He needs to, he needs to, he's been efficient, but he needs to be more productive. If Justin Fields is established as the quarterback you want to go to war with in 2023, that to me is the definition of a successful season. None of us thought they'd make the playoffs. None of us thought they'd be particularly competitive. I think you and I were both at six and eleven. So if you're asking me if it ends up six and eleven and they got there because Justin Fields was good, yeah. I think it's a success. That's promising. It's promising. Now, I mean, the, the couple of variables. Number one, does he make it through the season? I mean, healthy. Healthy. Yeah. I mean, we are. I mean, you're one rolled ankle away from losing him for a month. Even though, I mean, he's a tough guy, you know, obviously. But you know, you're one Andy Dalton bone bruise running along the sideline from, you know, having to watch Trevor Simeon. Which for would, a while. which would be pointless. Yeah. Right. He's not their future quarterback. That would be if Justin Fields misses four games. That's a pointless month. Yep. Absolutely. Bears. Completely so, pointless. If you can tell me that Fields is healthy and that Fields has improved at more or less the same rate that he's been improving in the last month, and that I would tell you that I don't particularly care what their record is, I'd be willing to call it a success. 
I think that is the number one gauge on whether this is a good season and a productive season and a, a promising season for the Bears. I think everybody else is under evaluation too, though. Yeah. A lot of there's a lot of people like let's not uh, let's not leave the coaches out of this. For example, Luke Getze is under evaluation. Alan Williams and Matt Eberflus. So Matt Eberflus is a great example here. Him and Alan Williams are lifelong defensive coaches, mm-hmm. and they've been dealt this hand of hey, here's a very stripped down roster defensively. Right. They're supposed to be good enough to make the most out of that that they can. Yeah, They're it, supposed to be good enough for that group not to give up 49 points. Right. They, they, they don't have to turn this into a great defense. They don't have to be magicians. But you want to see Matt Eberflus improve that defense mm-hmm. over the course of the last nine games, regardless of the personnel. Yes, you're right. When you come here as a defensive coordinator, particularly when that bucks the trend that everybody else in the league has been mm-hmm. doing. Yeah, you better be really good at that thing. You better be good at that thing, and you better be able to make it a good, ver- the best version of itself. He can't get a donkey to win the Kentucky Derby, though. <coughs> you know? I mean, I think a successful defense with this group is, what, 18th? 16th? Oh, that, yeah, that would be fine. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, we just saw one of the worst defensive performances in franchise history right. on Sunday. Right. That game, they can't be that. No, it can't and be it that. can't be. Well, throwing my hands up. These are the guys I got. I got undrafted rookies playing. Like sure. That that can't be the that can't be the explanation. You've got to be better than that. That's your expertise. Sure. I, I don't think it. I agree with you in that regard. Yes. Also, if they're horrible, they're horrible because Ryan Poles gave them. Because Ryan Poles took away two of their four best defensive players in the middle of the season, and before the season, let walk three of their best five, something like that. They're horrible because of personnel, not because of scheme. I think it's reasonable to expect scheme to help them. But, um, but yeah, uh, real quick before we get to our scores uh, this week, Jason, uh, you know the Dolphins better than most people. Uh, sure, is there anything beyond the obvious with Tyreek Hill and with uh, Bradley Chubb, their newest pass rusher? What, what would concern you about the Dolphins if you were if you were the Bears? A lot. Yeah. I think the Dolphins were a pretty good team and then went for it at right. the trade deadline. Uh-huh. And I think that while Tua has while the jury's out on Tua, mm-hmm. he has shown a lot more than a lot of the other young yeah. upstart quarterbacks. So there is something there to work with. And Pat, it's just, you know, the Jalen Johnson conundrum of you got Waddle and you got Hill. And that's a lot to deal with and I, the Bears have had trouble dealing with just one good wide receiver on the other side, especially when they don't have Jalen Johnson. So you only have one Jalen Johnson to throw at these guys. Sure. And apart from him, you got Kendall Vildor, who has been better but is not convincing, and Kyler Gordon, who seems to still have a long way to go. I think that that's just right there is too much. And you saw, like, in the Viking team, you saw how easy it looked for Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. And Kirk Cousins is obviously more accomplished and established than sure. Tua, but I don't think I don't think Kirk Cousins is that great. I think that it was vi- – but it was so easy for him mm-hmm. with Justin Jefferson uh, in that game a month ago, and now I think it's going to be a little bit like that for Tua as long as he can just take those easy plays where these guys are going to be open all day. Those years when LeBron played with the Cavs before Kyrie got there, who was his point guard? Tyron Luke? <laughs> I think so. I mean, I think that that's who Cousins is. I think Cousins is an average point guard on a team with, with really good players to pass to. When they were here last year, 
for uh, or, or for practices in the preseason and then the preseason game. I didn't see it with Tua, and um, I I want to like him, and I, I really wanted to like him, and for whatever reason, it just I didn't see it. But it was you know training camp of his you know it was the first training camp he'd ever been to because of COVID in his second season. So I'm willing to admit that 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 he he has grown a lot. He's I, had great games. Yeah, he's it, had ga- like. He's had games that Justin Fields hasn't touched. No, but like, let's look at the last two weeks, though. They play on Sunday night football against the Steelers, and it's all they can do to, to hang on after scoring, what, a field goal in the second half against a pretty bad team. And then they go play the Lions, and they punt once. Like, it's, it's been both ends of the spectrum in seven days. Uh, so I, I presume against this defense, it'll be a lot more like playing the Lions than it'll be like and playing the Steelers. Every offense in the league's got to be looking forward to playing the Bears right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, and <laughs> the Eagles and Bills are here in December. <laughs> be 55 points scored in each of those games. Uh, and like I said, that would be reflective of the Bears players and of the coaches, but more than anything, I'd be, I think it'd be reflective of the roster. Uh, team Sun-Times, uh, clean sweep, uh, six Dolphins picks, no Bears picks. This week, Jason, you've got them at 34-30, which is covering the the spread. The the common thread I saw in these picks was everybody's got the Dolphins somewhere around 30. In the 30s, yep. Everyone sees the Dolphins scoring a significant amount of points, and that that may end up being conservative because that's a high score for an NFL team usually. And we probably, a few of us probably, or all of us had Dallas somewhere around 30 Mm -hmm. last week and ended up being 49. Right. Um, The question seems to be, what will the offense look like? And that is a fair, fair question. I know everybody's very excited about how the offense has looked lately. The last four games have been the best four-game stretch of Justin Fields' career. Yep. The scoring has been up by nearly a touchdown a game for the Bears over these last four games versus the first four games. Mm-hmm. But, Pat, we just was like three weeks ago that we saw him score seven in a home loss to the Commanders. Right. To a terrible team. Yep. So we don't know that the, the offense isn't fixed. No. The offense is going the right way for the first time this season and for, probably for the first time in a few years. Mm-hmm. Big picture for the Bears. But it's not arrived yet. So I think that's why you see some discrepancy where uh, you've got the Bears scoring 18. Uh, Rick Morsey's got them. So Rick Morsey's got them scoring 17. I've got them scoring 30. We've got a wide range there on what we right. think the Bears' offense will do. Yeah, and I still don't think they're built to chase. And you know, when we sit there and say, "Well, they got within five against the Cowboys," you don't build statues for teams getting within five in the third quarter. That's not, you know, that's not that's that's not success. <laughs> that's just trying to hang on. I, I'm just afraid if they get down two touchdowns. I know we saw them come back against the Vikings. I know we saw them come back a little bit against the Cowboys, although they never got within five. Um, I just, if you're down two touchdowns, I don't know how this offense can catch up. I really don't. You had said during the Dallas game that I thought was a great point that anytime this defense, they played eight games, four of them have been against teams that really are kind of established offensively, have a quarterback, have a plan, they know what they are, that the defense looks pretty good against the teams that don't know what they're doing. Right. The defense is overwhelmed by teams that do know what they're doing. Absolutely. I, I, where's Miami? <laughs> Which one is Miami? I like? think Miami is far more like the Cowboys than, okay. they, than they are like the Commanders. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. I, I think Miami knows what it's doing. I think Miami is on. If you want to get into narrative, it's dangerous, but Miami is probably really feeling themselves after adding Bradley Chubb and going for it this week. The Bears on the opposite end of that. And... You know, might be trudging into this game 
uh, like they're being fed to the proverbial lions. Not the real lions, the proverbial lions. Uh, Mark Potash, who is uh, on assignment right now, has the Dolphins winning 31-23. You're 34-30, and I am 32-18. So we will see what comes with that, Jason. Uh, might be an ugly day, but it might also be an... It can be ugly and also encouraging, depending on what happens on the offensive side of the football. Uh, and remember, if you're going to Soldier Field on Sunday, um, just wear your Mitch jersey and just put some duct tape on it and write Claypool. Classic fan move. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Are there? They don't share any letters, though, do they? No, not really. A Y, but you'd have to kind of move it. That's not gonna work. No, I don't no, you're gonna need a full, a full like kind of 10, 12 inch strip of duct tape across the back. You know? know they sell like colored duct tape. I think you could probably get a navy. A navy. Yeah, I think you could probably get navy duct tape. Yeah. There's probably like a classy way to do it. Yeah, that would work. At that point, you're turning this into an art project, though. You might as well just buy a new jersey. Man, could you, okay. And then we'll go. If you had to buy a Bears jersey that wasn't Justin Fields, what would you? Walter do? Payton. A current Bears jersey. Uh, or maybe the better question is this: How many previous Bears jerseys would you buy before you bought a current Bears jersey that wasn't Justin Fields? I Ten? would. I would not buy a current player. Period. Just because you don't know whether they're going to be here. I get a Walter Payton, or, or maybe you get one that says Finley on the back. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I don't like that. I think when I turn, you turn twelve. I think you're not allowed to wear custom jerseys anymore with your name on it. I think when you, once you turn twelve, you're not allowed to wear jerseys anymore. Period. Right? Yeah, that's a good point. Anyway, uh, unless you're at a hockey game, that's different. Uh, yeah, those look good. Anyway, he's Jason. I'm Pat. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, as always, please check us out on. Line or in the newspaper and on Twitter, if Twitter still exists. Uh, and then please like, rate, and review the show. We will be back again Sunday from Soldier Field. Thanks again for listening. We will see you later. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.